This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Raider Cody Podcast, the official podcast of RaidersBeat.com. What's up, Raider Nation? This is Wayne Mabry, a.k.a. The Violator, and you're listening to the Raider Cody Podcast Show. Get your ears on and get some of this. You know. What's going on, Raider Nation? Another week here on the Raider Cody Podcast. Things are going smooth. We got some moves happening. Little drama to break down. What's going on, Chris? Cody, what's up, buddy? How you doing, man? Raider Nation, what's going on? We've been having a good old week here as Raider fans, and uh, nothing short of excitement as usual. John Gruden, Antonio Brown, Derek Carr, keeping us on our heels, and things are going good, man. I'm looking forward to it. So today marks just a little bit under two weeks away from the draft. Chris, are you ready, man? I don't think Dude, you're ready. I'm so ready, bro. I can't wait. Uh, it's been such a long haul of just mock drafts and talking about who we're going to take <laughs> and all that. And free agency was wild. It was crazy. Obviously, it started off with a bang. We brought in the best receiver in the NFL, Antonio Brown. Brought in Tyrell Williams, Trent Brown, LaMarcus Joyner, on and on and on. Building this football team. And now... We got four picks in the top 35, and that's in less than two weeks. Cannot wait for it, man. Business is booming. Yeah, and we're not done yet, Chris. Let's get over what happened this week in Raider Nation. Ex-Raiders wide receiver Seth Roberts has signed with the Baltimore Ravens. Raiders have signed another former AAF player, wide receiver DeMornay Pearson L., formerly of the Salt Lake Stallions. Running back Jalen Richard has officially signed his second round restricted free agent tender. The Raiders hosted ex-Broncos outside linebacker and pass rusher Shane Ray on a visit. He did leave without a deal, though. And a lot of action at team headquarters on Thursday, starting with a press conference with Mike Mayock. To me, there was one statement that stood out that Mike gave, and I loved it. Uh, He was asked how it's been different preparing for the draft as the Raiders general manager rather than just for NFL Network, and this is what he said. Yeah, it's a lot different. I I think my old job was to to try to be the GM for all 32 teams, and I had a board that was stacked for what I would call league value. Um, So league value is one thing, you know, and what I used to do uh, in my old job was I'd talk to a bunch of GMs and head coaches the week before the draft. I'd send them my board, because they'd want to see it. To them, it was league value, so it was a tool for the teams to use, and it was a way for me to talk about my board where it was it might have some weaknesses. 
Um, so now you're just doing it for one team. Now I still have to be aware and we're working really hard. How about you, Chris? What stood out to you? You know what? To be honest, I really liked when he was asked about the pressure about having four picks in the top 35. And this is what he said. As John keeps telling me, don't mess it up, dude. You know, I, I took a lot of, a lot of slings to get, to get you three first round picks. Um, And then Thursday ended with a team's local pro day, hosting players that are either from the area or went to college in the area. To me, names that stood out are guys like Bryce Love, the Stanford running back, who is still rehabbing from a torn ACL, but he was still cool to participate during the pro day. Also, Keelan Doss, one of my favorite day three wide receivers, Khalil Hodge, linebacker from Buffalo, and Simba Webster, which I think it's funny they actually misspelled his name on the pro day roster. They forgot the N on Simba. Chris, did any players on that roster stand out to you? Well, the names you brought up were impressive. I was glad to see that they were there. Uh, but definitely Washington linebacker uh, Ben Burkirvin, Stanford tight end Caden Smith were a couple others that caught my eye. So it was, it was cool to have them at the Raiders facility working out, practicing, so the Raiders can get a good look at him now. Hey, I thought you were going to pick up my slip-up and get Keyshawn Johnson, Chris. Come on, man. We can't be missing out hey, on my boy from Fresno State. Honestly, I'm a, I just assumed you mentioned him, dude. I feel like you talk about him on the daily. So. Oh, I'm telling you, man. I love that kid. Yeah, he was on the roster, too. So there's definitely some intriguing names that happened that day. The Raiders have agreed to terms with defensive end Benson Mayoa. Uh, on a one-year deal worth up to $3 million. He was a Oakland Raider back in 2014 and 2015, and we bring him back as a presence on the edge. And a piece of the schedule has finally been released. We've got a glimpse of the preseason. Um, week one, we're going to open up and play against the Rams. Time and location still to be determined. Week two, we're going to be playing the Cardinals. That's the only time set, 5 o'clock, pacific in arizona week three we're going to be playing the packers and week four we're going to be playing the seahawks both of those locations and times to be determined uh chris the only catch to this whole thing is this is the final season in oakland we only have seven regular season games given to us which is one less than normal and now we're only going to have one preseason game in oakland given to us so eight total games at the coliseum throughout preseason and regular season that's kind of on the hinges you know of course we have london coming up against chicago and week three uh against the packers is supposed to be or rumored to be played in canada how do you feel about that man well for the raider nation in canada i think it's a really cool experience for them but definitely it's a little bit of a bitter pill to swallow the losing you know another game in Oakland even if it is just a preseason game it's another opportunity for the fans in the Bay Area to see their football team so it kind of sucks in that way but it just goes along with the territory man I feel like some of this playing in different places is just kind of Mark Davis uh you know being told by the NFL like look this is what you got to do in a relocation process so it is what it is man yeah exactly I feel you on that one and uh when the topic comes up about our London game once the data set we're gonna have a good buddy of ours Stuart Holding coming from uh, the United Kingdom. He's going to come on here and give us a breakdown of the ins and outs and the day-to-day things to go to a Raider game there in the UK. And maybe uh, for you Canada Raider Nation fans, uh, maybe we find a guy from Canada that listens to our podcast and wants to come on and maybe break it down once the stadium, of course, is set in stone and 
maybe have him break it down and give us some insight for any other Canada fans that want to go to the game. What do you think about that, man? Uh, I think uh, there's definitely some good options. I think Grizz is a good option. Grizz Turner, yeah. he's from Canada, big-time Raider fan, so... I don't mean to leave anybody out. I'm sure there's some good options. We'll we'll talk about that, man. Absolutely. And then one last preseason question for you I have, Chris. How do you feel about facing uh, Kyler Murray week two of the preseason? Man, I hope Arden Key bends the edge around and strip sacks him, dude. That's what I hope happens on the first snap. I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping for like four or five passes batted down at the line of scrimmage, huh? Yeah, something like that. It'll just be a fun week on Twitter. Be like, hey, remember when all you guys thought Kyler Murray was going to be a Raider? Oh, those were good times. Anyway, we got Derek Carr, so we're good. Yeah. So, Chris, man, one last thing, too. We opened back up our calls. And we only got one call this week, dude. And could you man, guess? Man, people need to pick up the phone, dude. Dude, they, pick up they the phone do. And call our, our hotline, man. They got to get after it, man. Raider fans, Raider Nation, 808-650-7220. Because guess what, man? This one phone call we got, guess what his favorite team was? The freaking Steelers, man. A salty Steelers fan dropped a voicemail. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna listen we're gonna listen to this let's, thing, let's man. Let's pull, we're, yeah. Let's let's play that baby. Let's see what this dude has to say. Let's see what he has to say. Hey, uh, this is this is a Steelers fan here. Just um just calling in to uh, ask about how ra- how the Raiders see uh, AB's Twitter and social media antics and how they feel about that and how, do they think that will affect any, anything with the Raiders and how, how are they looking at this so um, just answer that question for me and uh, see what Raider Nation thinks alright go Steelers Ugh. Oh, that was a that was a decent phone call until the end of that. So, yeah, uh, man. Actually, it was a lot better than I thought it would be. I think it's a, <laughs> I guess a respectable question. We'll be happy to answer. It, was, it could have been a lot worse. So it it was a respectable question. It's a lot better than what we've been seeing on Twitter lately. But I'll tell you, um, from Raider Nation's perspective right now, uh, what I see is us acquiring the best wide receiver in football that has a little bit out to prove to his old team. Uh, you know, we're all human. We all make slight mistakes. Ain't no big deal. Ain't no thing. I don't think it affects what we're doing whatsoever. And I don't think it's going to affect the play on the field. So, uh, you know, come September, October, when AB 84, you know, steps in Oakland, steps on the field for the Oakland Raiders, we're going to forget about all these antics because, uh, you know, his, his play speaks for himself. Chris, what's your, what's your take on, uh, all the stuff going on right now? Well, as far as the social media stuff, you know, it's definitely a petty situation, but it's not just all Antonio Brown. You know, I feel like Juju definitely instigated it with that post with AB in the background and oh, yeah. scoring in Oakland. That was definitely on purpose, that whole setup there. And the whole, you know, what happened between AB and Big Ben. And obviously, AB feels passionate about, you know, how he was treated yeah. and how the organization looks at players that aren't Big Ben. And then Juju comes out and kind of negates that in a way. And I think AB probably thought, man, like, you know, I was like a big brother to you. And then you go do that real quick. As soon as I leave, like that's probably bugged him a little bit. But at the end of the day, as a Raider fan, our players are considered outcasts anyway, in a way, you know, they're looked at differently than the rest of the league. There's, there's that Raider that you don't have the best uniforms in football and not have people be a little bit salty toward you, you know? So 
I feel like, uh, you know, there's definitely going to be a chip on his shoulder. You know, the, the fact that people think that, you know, him leaving the offense isn't going to miss a beat and it's going to be just as good as it ever was. And Juju will just replace a B long term. And I think AB's out to prove he can ball anywhere. And I think yeah. that he has a great opportunity to do that with the Raiders and, and Derek Carr and John Gruden, man. Yeah. And uh, just a quick message to you Steeler fans, anyone that might have tuned into this. Let me tell you something. Antonio Brown's our problem now, not yours anymore. So let us deal with them and let us enjoy Antonio Brown. This, uh, this ain't this ain't your deal no more. You know what I mean? Get over it. I mean, anything else you have left to say, you're just a little salty. And just because of that, I wanted to bring in a good friend of Antonio Brown's, DJ Legato. If you've tuned into his podcast, Legato is his co-host. He actually kind of produces the podcast himself. Um, been a really good friend of Antonio Brown's the last five years. Uh, so we want to give him a call. We want to bring him in here get his perspective, and we want to get a real piece of the real Antonio Brown. So let's get him on the phone. Boom. So we got DJ Legato on the phone. What's going on, man? Hey, how you doing, man? How's everything? Dude, everything's good, man. I tell you what, business is booming on our end. I mean, you know why I wanted to call you, bro. You're, you're good buddies with our new wide receiver, Antonio Brown. I am. Tell me, man, how'd you guys originally meet? So uh, it's funny. Uh, we had a mutual friend uh, who was working alongside him, and uh, he needed a DJ, or he just wanted a live DJ during the offseason to play music. Now, usually in today's society, you can just play, you know, on a, on a UE Boom or anything, on any type of external speaker. You could just play Spotify, Apple Music, whatever. Um, he wanted a live DJ. He wanted a real DJ, real mixing. And so the mutual friend at the time plugged us together. I would literally go to his house during the off season and just play music for him. He would just either be stretching, um, doing some in-home workouts. Uh, and really, that's how the relationship built from there. Um, and then it, it, the rest is history. Yeah, that's what's up, dude. For an athlete like that, that's uh, that's legit. You probably play a vital role in his career, man. Uh, get, giving him that vibe, dude, you know what I mean? Uh, he puts in a lot of work. Uh, so music, uh, I'm sure it, it's a lot different whenever you step in there and give him that, uh, that live DJ work. Yeah. But sure. that translated now, whenever he wanted to open up a podcast, you know, he gets out there, he wants to get the word out. He wants to talk to fans directly, sit down with his buddy, and just chop it up, man. So how uh, right. how did the Boomin experience get started, and how's it been going for you guys? Yeah, so it's funny because the way the Boomin experience came about was Antonio called me over and was like, Legato, you know, off-season, come to the house, let's catch up, uh, catch a vibe. I was like, okay, let's do it. So like I usually do, bring a speaker, turntables, and, you know, before I even got to set up, he was like, you know, Antonio was like, you know, I see you doing your thing, radio in Miami you know, playing in places like Canada and Brazil, uh, you know, time to level you up as, you know, my friend. And I was like, all right, you know, shoot me some ideas. He's <laughs> like, what do you think about a podcast? I'm like, podcast? I'm like, that's a whole new world. But if you're ready, I'm ready. So yeah. he's like, let's do it. I'm like, all right, you give me the green light, we going. And that's really how it came up. What the booming experience is about, you know, I don't want people to get it twisted. You know, there's plenty of places and, and sites and shows you can go to uh, for strictly football content. You know what I mean? Yeah. What Antonio wants to do with the Boomin experience is, you know, he wants 
to get you a little bit more inside personal, like the personal side of him. Um, of course, it you know, most would be football related, um, you know, current things going on with him. But I mean, the stuff that we have planned, you know, not only just uh, league friends that will be on, but, you know, other uh, friends that are in the entertainment business, sporting business, um, you know, business friends, you know, a lot of uh, we got, you know, some motivational speakers ready to come on. Um, it's just going to be a lifestyle podcast, you know, and there you go. That's that's exactly what we wanted to do with the booming experience. And the first episode was great. Uh, you know, we gave people that chance to really hear, uh, you know, the opportunities he had coming towards the trade. And, you know, he decided to come to Raider Nation. And I like the direction you're going with that, because first of all, you know, you got you got to hear it straight out of the dude's mouth. I mean, that's the only thing I'm going to believe. I want to hear, you know, how he how he's vibing, how he's feeling about things. He's loving life on the podcast, and I'm not going to question it. You know what I'm saying? Right. But what I want to know, uh, obviously, like you said, he wants us to get to know him on a personal level. But for you being his host and working with him throughout this whole experience, I guarantee you, you're still going to learn a lot more about him than what gets you know contrasted through that podcast. Yeah. You know, I want to know something, man. What? Tell us something about the real AB, man. What does the media not understand about him? If I had to tell you one major thing, and I think a lot of people can see it, especially in, in some of the recent stuff going on now, is that he's very, uh, you know, he's just goal-driven. Yeah. The man will put responsibility on anybody. It doesn't matter what position you're playing. Um, you know, if he's expecting something out of you or – you know, if, if there's a responsibility on him that requires a certain amount of like expectation, he expects the same thing from, you know, his teammates to his friends, to his family members. He wants that same energy, that same, you know, that output. So, I mean, you know, he's just that type that is not afraid to call you out, you know, and, and yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I'm, no. you know, constructive criticism to me is good. I'm pretty sure he hears it a lot too when people are expecting certain things from him in the game or you know in life in general that you know doesn't come about you know and then you just got to level up at that point you just got to level up i mean we're you know all adults at that at that point and mm -hmm. you know i think the people in the media really don't know is that <laughs> what this man expects from people is the same amount of effort and work he puts in himself from from others that he surrounds himself with and i don't think there's anything wrong with that no, dude, you got to hold people accountable. That's how you get the most out of people. You do it. You do it out of love, though. You know what I mean? Just because, just because he's, you know, maybe ripping somebody or against what somebody's doing, it's for the greater good, man. You got to take that criticism. I love it. But also, right. I want to know, man. Outside of that, outside of the media, outside of what he said on the podcast, how does he truly feel to be a Raider, man? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, when everything was set in stone, you know. He was just very excited. I mean, from what I know about Raider Nation, you know, and I'm not the biggest, you know, football analyst or, you know, I don't, you know, I'll make that 1000% um, out there. That way everybody knows. But like, <laughs> just from the vibe that I got, even when I went out there with him for the first couple of days, like, it's just, you guys go hard. And, yeah. and I think, you know, when he sees fans like that or just uh, uh, an atmosphere like that, nothing but just pure excitement, you know, I mean, to come into an atmosphere like Raider nation. And, and I mean, like, he, like I said, I was there for a few days 
and I mean, we touched down and there was like people already like by the landing strip. It was just <laughs> insane. Like, uh, I don't know how they got Intel, but, uh, they, they knew that he was coming into town. And when you got fans like that, man, that is, that is an amazing feeling. So, uh, I will tell you though, uh, coming from someone that, that is on the inside, uh, once everything was confirmed and he did choose, you know, coming to Oakland, um, very excited and, 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 and very leaning, like, you know, ready to make you guys happy. That's for sure. And that's coming from, you know, a personal friend of his. That's what's up. And that's why I wanted to bring you in here and get that personal perspective, man. And uh, thanks again, Legato, for coming on here. Uh, I'd like to, I'm glad I can officially welcome you now to Raider Nation, whether you're a Raider fan or not, you're a part of it. You're AB's buddy and make sure you pass it on to your guy. That Raider Nation, a lot of Raider fans, and especially us here at the Raider Cody Podcast, man, we got us back, and we're ready for what's to come, brother. Legato, thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate it. Business is booming. Raider Nation, let me tell you, uh, very excited to be a part of it, and uh, thank you for having me on the podcast. Yes, sir. See you later, Legato. All right. Thanks, man. And there it is, Chris. Not straight from the horse's mouth, but at least from one of his best friend's mouths. Uh, That clears things up, dude. For the most part, we were both on the same page. There wasn't a whole lot to worry about from the get-go. But uh, I think that seals the deal for me, Chris. Yeah, man. You know, it's cool just hearing him talk about AB. Obviously, with these athletes, we we put them up on a pedestal. But talking to him kind of just made the AB and who he is as a human being just kind of more personable, you know? Mm -hmm. He's just a human being like the rest of us, man. And and I like the uh, the insider info on you know what kind of type of person he is away from football. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I'm buying what he's selling. But we got some other stuff. I'm I'm tired of talking about this petty drama. It ain't nothing to us. So yes, sir. Finally, bro. Finally, man. Let's get on with that, bro. Let's move on. Yeah. So we got joining us for our discussion this week is going to be Malik Obi coming out of the East Coast. It's getting late for him. Let's give him a call, Chris. Let's do it, man. I can't wait. Yeah, so we got our guy on here, Malik Obi. What's going on, man? What are you doing? Uh, what's up, guys? I am ready. I'm getting ready to go to the draft in what tomorrow will be 11 days headed to Nashville. So, listen, I'm ready to go because we've been talking about the same three draft picks <laughs> every day, all day, for months. <laughs> and I'm just ready to see where the players that I've been watching for one, two, three years, some since high school, if they're from this area, seeing where they go and, like, hopefully, you know, just, you know, some of the guys that I think are fit for the Raiders, seeing how, you know, how the chips fall, you know, really, honestly, just seeing how the chips fall. But I'm really excited to go to Nashville because it's like, the draft is so exciting, and this is the biggest Raiders draft that I've been alive for. Yeah. I yeah. think like with yeah. with everything at risk here, everything at risk, it's like it's, this is the most important draft. Like in my time, I would say our time. Yeah. You know, yes, sir. Not just by the news that's already happened, but everything that we got ahead of us, like you're talking about. It's an exciting draft. And you're a busy man, dude. Uh for those that for those that don't know Malik, uh he writes and he covers for uh, full press coverage. Make sure you check him out. He also has a podcast, the Black Tuesday podcast. It's a good one, man. And uh, you also just released your NFL draft guide. And I've already told you myself, but I want to make it known, man. I love that thing. It looks clean. I told you you outdid yourself on that thing, no doubt. 
But uh, where can we where can we find this guide? Where can we buy it? Um, all right. So right now, this this is something like you know, like you said, I've been trying to stay busy and just try to uh, separate myself. So I, I said, well, let me you know, everybody's putting out draft guys that and charging people. I'm not going to charge people. I'm just going to oh. show people I can put out something high quality, and you know, so I I've been releasing you know four players at a time because that's the maximum pictures you can put on, on Twitter. So I've been releasing four players at a time, uh, you know, various positions, under underrated players, et cetera. And then I'm going to cap it off by, you know, I've really been watching a lot of football this year. So I'm going to, I have about 50 players that are like on my undrafted free agent radar. So I feel like the more the average person knows, the better, like what, you know, what do you get from a holding out on people? Like, so, you know, so when the draft is over and you say, well, who the hell is this guy? Well, you kind of got an idea now, you know? So with that being said, once I finish uh, going through the 300, I got about, well, I got a little bit under 300, maybe about 286 or something like that. Players, I want to uh, release a concise PDF file for people to be able to read um, on their phones or computers or whatever with all the draft grades and it'll be in order of position and everything. So that'd probably be about probably probably be around next week sometime I'll release that. That is what I'm talking about, man. Cody, that's why, man, a couple months ago, maybe a month and a half ago, when we were talking about having Malik on, man, I got chills right now. That's just so exciting to to have you on to talk about all that, man. I love it, dude. So appreciate you coming that's on. Good. I I'm can't like... wait to dive into this content, man. Raider football. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I'm <laughs> I told you guys I'm, I'm happy to. I told you guys I'm happy to be on. So let's just get into it. Yes, sir. Right, and let's uh, out. let's take it from the top, Malik. We're looking at number four overall this year. Uh, there's a lot of buzz. There's a lot of a lot of trade scenarios getting popped up. Trade up, trade back, stay put. What is your scenario at number four? Who are we taking? All right. So I have been thinking about this, thinking about this, and you know you. You hear so many things. Like, this is the time of year. I'm sure we'll hear so much stuff in the next 11 days. Um, and it's three, it's three scenarios I'm thinking of. The first scenario is what I want to happen. Okay. Because even though I might not always act like it, I'm a diehard Raiders fan. Okay. So okay. what I want to happen is what I think is the best thing that can happen um, and for a few reasons. So what I want to happen is, and I've said this for a long time and I'm sticking by it, I want the Raiders to shock the world by taking Greedy Williams at four. Ooh. Why do I want this? Why do I want this? Because I feel like in my lifetime that there has, as, you know, as long as I've been watching Raiders football, that there has never been a one-two cornerback combo that I've said, wow, like, you know, the teams have been scared of, you know, like Namdi, and then it was trash on the opposite side. You know, it was Charles Wilson. It was trash on the opposite side. Like, yeah. or well, it wasn't trash, but they were older. You know, so like yeah. Albert Lewis, all those guys, they they were old. He was really young. well. Were you tell like, me Chris Johnson you, isn't a future Hall of Famer? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so like, just looking at how that secondary rounds out, you got a guy like Lamarcus Joyner, who is is a is a solid safety, but. They can switch it up and, like, he can play in a nickel, even though I heard that he doesn't really like to play in a nickel. But having that, uh, you know, versatility and, and, and potentially drafting a guy or having, you know, 
guys like Curtis Riley and, and, and Carl Joseph, who we don't know what's going to happen with him. And, you know, with, even with all, all of that being said, I'm looking at some of the best duos in the league. And, I'm, and one duo that I always think about is um, Sam Madison and, and, and Patrick Sertain in, in Miami. That was one of my favorite cornerback duos ever. Like, the Dolphins could have nine other players nobody cares about, but you're still going to fear throwing the ball on either one of those guys. So it's, it's been so long since I've, you know, the Raiders have had two solid cornerbacks. Yeah, with with the free agency that the Raiders had, you don't. Ha- I feel like that you don't have to take duplicates of the same player. You know, as you know, a couple weeks ago, you know, I was thinking, okay, well, there's going to have to be two corners. There's going to be have to, there have to be two wide receivers, et cetera. And I think it leaves some room for just you know, kind of like you know, going with the flow, kind of. So in my mind, I would want it to be Greedy Williams. I just, I would just would love to see the Raiders have two corners that a quarterback will fear. And then, you know, you know, like I said, you got a guy like like Joyner that can come down in the nickel and you can get a nickel cornerback in his drive. And, you know, just there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things that they can do, but that's what I would want. The second um, scenario I see is possibly Dwayne Haskins uh, being um, taken by either the Jaguars or the Bengals or somebody like that, maybe the Redskins. So I'm looking at the scenario of where you're picking with those, with those guys. So if that's the case, then I'm thinking most likely, in my mind, it would be the Bengals. So if that's the case, I wouldn't have a problem moving down that far because that puts you in position for guys like Brian Burns, Montez Sweat. I could probably get a linebacker if Devin Bush is gone. I mean, excuse me, if Devin White is gone, I can uh-huh. go Devin Bush. There's a lot of options at, at what, is that 13? So, right. you know, um, I think all that, the trade back uh, scenario, I've been thinking about it. I think we've all been thinking about it. Oh, you could go back to six or something like that. But I, I don't know what's going to happen with that. And, and, and I would love to see it happen because uh, I think that, you know, getting that extra capital would go, per, you know, go a long way in this draft. But I realistically at this point am thinking that the 27 or 24 pick will end up being traded to secure a third-round pick. So the third scenario I'm thinking is what I think most people are thinking is that it's Quentin Williams at four. And if that's the case, I'm 100% fine with that because of the idea that having Quentin Williams and Maurice Hurst together in the 4-3 is a nightmare. Like, Hurst shows so much improvement through the season. Oh, yeah. And having a guy like Quentin Williams that can, you know, that can clog up the middle and, 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 and be a two-gap player and that can rush the passer, having those two guys coming at you two, three down straight is, is a problem. You know, and then you have a guy like P.J. Hall who's gonna, who's, who, who has a chance to grow and come into his own as a rotation guy. That would, that would be ridiculous, honestly. Um, I, I think that, you know, that's probably – the way the chips may fall, if you take, if you, if the Cardinals take Kyler number one, uh-huh. uh, San Francisco and New, and, and the Jets have an, uh, a great options of what the, they have, but I think that there's a good chance that Quinnen will fall to the Raiders. And I've really been thinking, like, I don't want it to be a situation where it's like you passed on Quinnen Williams. Like, yeah. I just have that feeling, like that'll be the hindsight, you know, 
thing that people say, and it's like, man, this guy is damn good. Like, you can't find any, you know, chinks in his armor. Like, do you watch Alabama, you watch somebody else, and it's like, well, damn, I can't even watch this person because you're in the backfield as soon as the damn ball snaps. You know, so it's like just having that interior presence on the Raiders, I think that's the most realistic scenario. I would want Greedy Williams. That's what I would personally want. But I think that uh, Quinn and Williams, would be the best option for the Raiders. Um, and number two would be Ed Oliver. Um, I think that Oliver is a, a, an exceptional athlete. and But the thing about him is that Major Applewhite is so stupid for playing his guys a one-tech for his entire career that totally now agree. teams are going to say, well, do we want to ex- experiment that high? Even though this guy's a phenomenal athlete and the tape that he has, you know, now it's turning into, well, are we going to draft this guy to be an edge rusher or is he going to, stay, you know, stay over center or whatever? So it's like, it's it's a big question mark now when it really shouldn't be. And 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 I and I think so, you know, with that being said, in my opinion, Greedy, uh, Quentin Williams or Ed Oliver should be the picks at four. I mean, I see a lot of people um, making a case for Devin White. And that's a guy that I would definitely like to see as a Raider. But I just think that, man, those three are, in my personal opinion, would be the best picks for the Raiders at four. So and out of those scenarios, uh, Williams would be, Greedy would be what I would want. Uh, and and, and um, either Oliver, well, either Quinnen or Oliver would be what I think will happen. Agreed. You know, uh, honestly, great response. A couple things that really st- uh, stuck out to me there with what you said is, number one, um, you know, in terms of the trade back, a lot of people talk about the Raiders when they're going to trade back. Oh, it's with the Giants at six. But if the Raiders do trade back with a team like Cincinnati and go from four to 11, there's a lot more draft capital that you should get in return from a jump from 11 right. to four than six to four. So I do think that that could be a, a home run option for the Raiders. But like you said, it is going to be difficult no matter what passing on a player like a Quinn and Williams or a Ned Oliver. Uh, it's just something that, you know, I mean, we did hear Mayock say the picks 20 to 60 he really likes. So if there is any indicator from his press conferences, it's that they are probably pretty interested in trading back. Now, I wanted to kind of flip it around for you a little bit. I wanted to ask you, um, in terms of moving up, what do you think about the premise of moving up from four to, say, two to go get in my estimation, the best player and the best edge rusher in the draft in Nick Bosa. What are your thoughts on that? Um, moving up, I wouldn't do it um, because the only reason I say I wouldn't do it is because I think that um, one thing that I'm banking on is, especially with these three picks, is the extra draft capital, especially if you trade one of those picks, like let's say you trade 27, or let's say you trade, well, yeah, it would have to be 27. Let's say you trade 27. And you you get an extra pick, and then you get you get a third rounder, and and a well, let's say you get a, a second or, or a third rounder, and a sixth rounder, or a fifth rounder, or something like that. All of this extra draft capital, in my opinion, just gives John Gruden a reason to take a chance on the guy that he really wants, because he's going to get the guy that the Raiders really need, or the guys that the Raiders really need, and then he can do what he wants. And and I think that there will be a pick, there will be at least one pick. Like, I, I really think that John Gruden and Mayock will make two exceptional picks, 
and then it'll be a reach. And it'll be a reach that, not saying that it will be a bad pick, but it will be a guy that John Gruden wants, and like a, a LJ Collier or yeah. somebody of that nature. Um, and I'm not, I like Collier. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I think that if any, there's no way that with the defensive talent that's in this draft that I would look at him even even look at him before 35. You know, or, or in the top fifty, because I think there's so many guys that are that have um, proven themselves at a higher level at uh, um, more competitive schools. Uh, but with that being said, Bosa, I think that my fear of Bosa is the entire family's injury history. Yeah. His durability is the question. Do I think that Bosa will be a solid NFL player? Without a doubt. I don't think that he'll be as good of a pass rusher as his brother. But what people have to understand is, like, Joey Bosa is a phenomenal talent. This guy, he's great. When he's um, on the field. When he's healthy. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, when he's actually on the field, he's healthy. But I think that that uh, Nick is just a, a, an all-around beast. This I. You know, I don't, I don't see him being a eight, nine-time Pro Bowler when he finishes his career. But this is somebody that you can rely on for ten to twelve years, if you know, you, you know, money-wise, if it works out. But I think that the only thing that would stop me from making that jump is the injury history. You know, yeah. that's the only thing. You know, in terms of like playing, you know, let's be real. This is the best player in the draft by far. Uh, and I think Quinton is second. Agreed. But, you know, in terms of long-term career art, if he's healthy, you can't tell me that there isn't a more safe bet. Yeah. You know? But he's that- not. So that's the thing. I'm not – I wouldn't even feel comfortable, honestly, um, 100% comfortable taking him at four because of the injury history. And I know that injuries can happen. Anybody can get hurt. Like, you, yeah. know, you know, you can get drafted and fall down the steps and tear your ACL. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, damn, he's he's always hurt. They're <laughs> always hurt. It's both of them. So to answer your question, I wouldn't do it. I would not do it. And 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 this draft is so risky. I think that with everything like we're saying, this is the most important draft. I would love to see them stack their chips up and then take chances. Like if you get finished, you know, day well, if you get to day one to have ten or eleven picks overall, and 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 things fill out and, and, and giving Gruden the opportunity to say, hey, well, I'm going to trade a pick for a veteran, which is another option that I see. Um, you know, a 35 or, or one of those picks for a veteran. You know, I think a lot of things can happen, but I'm, I'm not doing it. The injury history is just too scary. I, and, and the last thing that the Raiders need is more false. The Raiders fans need is more false hope and, and an injury. You know, it's been so much false hope and a player just doesn't pan out. But an injury at, at that high uh, to a player that's already been injury prone, it would it, Raider fans deserve better. So I would rather see somebody take their time and progress to get to the point that Bosa is at than to have him and, and it doesn't last long. Yeah, there's uh there's three things from that that I want to make I want to reiterate because I really agree with you on them. Uh, yes, I do. I, I believe that Nick Bosa is the best immediate impact player. You line any of these prospects up week one, Nick Bosa is going to be the best player on the field. But you're right. That longevity, you, you just never know. With the history, you're just upping that risk. And I like how the second point, 
any player can get hurt. You look at a guy like Gary and Conley, never dealt with anything his entire college career, and then his entire first year just seemed like he was the most injury-prone player or couldn't even recover from what looked to be a simple injury. And my last point, too, mm-hmm. is I like that you think uh, we're going to be ending with 10 or 11 total picks because that's kind of where I'm sitting, too. We're starting with what? We got eight. We originally had 10 or something, but now we have eight. Um, I agree. I think we make mm-hmm. some trades happen. Um, and uh, maybe first, like you, you've already brought up trade back scenarios. Uh, but if uh, if the Raiders are going to trade back, it's going to be for a player that they want or that they have their eye on uh, that they think will be available mm-hmm. in that area. So if we're looking between 4 and 24, uh, give me one player in that zone that you're going to be watching closely that entire gap. 4, four to 24? Hmm. Yep. Okay. I'm going to be honest with you. 4-24, I absolutely do not think it'll be a, a wide receiver at all. That's the one position I'm sure of that I feel like it will not be. 4-24, um, it would have to be – Yeah, I was going to say Sweat or Burns okay. because even though I think that there is no way that the Raiders will put two 200 – well, a 260 and a 200 – what is key? Like 245 maybe? Soaking yeah. wet? 245 – it's just the scheme fit wouldn't work, but I'll be honest with you. I'm I'm gonna be so honest with you. I honestly feel like that the Raiders are not thinking about Arden Key with all this talent in this draft. When you yeah. got a guy like Montez Sweat or Brian Burns, I'm Arden Key will be my rotational third down. I, I was gonna you know, say, yeah, I completely and agree with that. I completely and, and agree. Give me somebody else. That's like two A. Even Benson Mayoa, I thought that was a great move. They agreed. I let me tell you, Mayock and Gruden have done a good job filling this roster out. And we could talk about the money situation with Khalil Mack and all that, but they have went to the clan section and got a lot. And yeah. they're going to get a lot more, and they're going to fill this roster out. But Burns or Sweat, because I really don't think I'm not. I know a lot of people are thinking, oh, they're, they're going to get somebody to line up with Key. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking these guys are better than Key was last year yeah. coming out. So, <laughs> I, listen, if it's me, I will bench him in a heartbeat. I don't have any problem with him. Yeah, yeah totally. You got I've... a guy like Monta Sweat or Brian Burns. It's no brainer. You know, it's a no brainer. So, those two. If I had to, pick, I can't even. I can't even uh, pick one or the other because I like both of them immensely. I'm, you know, I've been so so long. I've been concentrating on. Oh well, it has to be somebody to line up across from him. Forget that. These guys are too damn good. If we're talking about best player available, I'm not making accommodations for Arden Key. You got to earn your keep. Like so, Burns. To answer your question, Burns or Sweat, one or the other. Those will have to be the two I'm watching for four to twenty-four, and I think both, honestly that's what can fall. Both of those options, uh, I completely agree with, and I like your your attitude and your your mentality on it. Look, nothing against Arden Key. I think he's a talented guy. I think he has a lot of upside, but let's not forget that he was a third round pick. That was a risky third round pick last year. He had a ton of opportunity last year. Was thrust into it, and he only had one sack. And that sack was, you know, not a you know, spin around and make the OT look silly. It was when Russell Wilson was trying to escape and uh, make a make something crazy happen like he always does and key hunting him down. So 
I don't think Key did enough last year to make them stray away from taking a first-round edge rusher that could ultimately replace him. That being said, though, there's nothing wrong with having Key as a third-down rotational pass rusher either. Allow him to grow into that and see right. where it goes. But I'm, I'm completely with you on Arden Key should not be a factor at all in the first round when the Raiders are trying to get an edge and rusher. And you know what? Let me just say that even with that, the Raiders, even this last, well, the past two years, if you take the three, maybe four, if you take away Khalil Mack, you take away Bruce Irvin, there was no one of any value, a consistent value that could come in as a third down rusher. Like, I love um, um, James Cowser as a person, and I thought that there were times that he, he ex- you know, he excelled when he given the opportunity, but Shalit Calhoun, Jahad Ward, all those guys struggled, uh, you know, to come in as situational pass rushers. So I think that there's potential with Arden Key. And if you say, hey, come on, put on five or ten pounds more muscle and get your technique together and figure out some some moves besides trying to power rush or, you know, just beat people, uh, you know, straight off the edge because you can't really do that with these guys at this level. Not you every know, down. Yeah, that's exactly. That's perfectly fine. It's nothing wrong with it. It's nothing wrong with it. At the end of the day, we didn't get, we didn't get you in the first round. If you turn out for the next year or so to be a solid rotational edge rusher, and then you you know continue to develop on your potential, then we won. We got something out of the draft pick. Yeah, I you like know, that. But right now, is he's not ready. He's not ready. I think that we have to look long term at football. I think you have to look long term at career arcs. He has a good career arc. He has good potential. He has to put on weight. He has to develop his his move set. He has to develop his counters. He's not a bum. I mean, he showed that in those, I don't know, we play all 16 games, all 16 games. He showed that he had a, a lot of almost plays. But, you know, with practice and time, those can turn into facts. You know, and sometimes players need a fresh start or whatever. But I don't think that's the case for him. I think that he just needs time to develop. But <laughs> right now, I'm going to, I'm not passing on a better player for the sake of, you know, just doing it for hurting somebody's feelings. This is professional sports. This is a business. Yeah, dude. Arden Key was our uh, almost sack leader of the entire NFL last year, man. That was uh, <laughs> that was our dude. <laughs> you know, man, I, and, and I like that because Arden Key should definitely not decide what we do with the type of edge rusher we need. And I and I agree with that point, man. Where we picked him, uh, if he's just a solid rotational guy that sticks on the team for three or four years, then his value was there. We got what we needed out of that. What was he, a third round? He fell to the third round for us, I believe. Right, correct. That was uh, no doubt a great pick uh, either way. But now we're looking um, – I, w- I want to look at the next gap here because, of course, there's a lot going on in the first round. The possibilities are endless, man. Like, I mean, t- between the three of us, we could talk about the first round all day long. Uh, pretty much any player on the board uh, is going to be reachable, uh, whether it's via trade or just – that player falling to us so now whenever you're looking after pick number 35 we don't pick again Mm -hmm. until 106 Uh, what is that uh 71 picks 71 freaking picks that that's a long long time and can you picture john gruden sitting in that war room for 71 picks without making something happen i mean i can't can you see mike mayock sitting there I mean, he said he likes no. 20 to 60. You think he's going to sit there 
for those final 25 picks that he really loves and not grab somebody. But I want to start this off. I'm going to switch around a little bit, Malik. Chris, whenever you're looking after 35, who's a player that you like between there and 106? Man, um, well, I'll do two phases of this. I'm not going to be able to get down to one player. You know that, Cody. But I do think the third round is a money round for running backs. Uh, I think if Miles Sanders or David Montgomery were to slip to the third round, I think those would be really good spots for those guys. But the the biggest position I'm looking at in the third round would be safety. I mean, to me, there's so many safeties in this draft that are going to go day one and day two, more in particular day two, that can come in and start, that are good, that I the more I watch, the more I like them. Uh, Nazir Adderley out of Delaware, Deontay Thompson, a pretty big name, uh, Savage from Maryland, Abram, Gardner Johnson, Rap, Hooker. I mean, just solid safeties. And not all of those guys are going to go in round one and more in particular round two. There's going to be a few of those guys left in round three. And those are gonna, that's a position that I would watch too if the Raiders do get back, get back into the third round, if they haven't already drafted a safety with the, one of their picks earlier in the draft. So I'd say either running back with Miles Sanders or David Montgomery or one of the safeties that are left over from that pack that I feel is really solid. What about you, Malik? How you feeling, man? Well, you already said the name. I was going to say either Miles Sanders or Darrell Henderson from Memphis running back. I'm looking at running backs because I feel like Gruden wants a running back that he can rely on to actually, you know, be the successor to Marshawn Lynch slash Doug Martin. And I really like Sanders and his ability to catch out of the backfield, which Marshawn wasn't really that great at. Uh, and 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 Sanders is getting he has he's been flying not flying under the radar but he hasn't gotten his props because he sat behind uh, Saquon Barkley but I think if you watch the tape you can see that the potential there is immense so that's the guy if if anybody that I mean safeties let me tell you I definitely agree with you Chris on safeties but I think that um, I think that thirty five would be a real uh, option for safety too. But if there's anybody that I would want that I would be pounding the table for between that uh, gap, it would be Miles Sanders. We're all on the same page then, no doubt. So I'm going to go, I mean, since you guys already talked everything you could about running backs, and that's kind of where I'm leading to. <laughs> but what happens now, uh, of course, we're looking into trade scenarios. Mm-hmm. What happens if, you know, we, we somehow flip these picks, whether that's including the number four overall or it's including one of those uh, 24, 27, or 35. How would you guys feel about taking four picks in the top 35 and somehow coming away with five picks in the top 50 or 60, right? And then what happens where all of a sudden now mm-hmm. all these rumors are coming out? We could use another wide receiver. I keep saying I want to see a good slot receiver come out and just button up this offense, right? What happens whenever uh, Isabella slides out of the top 35 or uh, Nikhil Harry? Hakeem Butler, maybe A.J. Brown is falling too far. Which one of those guys? I mean, I think uh, I think wide receiver is going to be coming to us sometime in the late second. I think uh, John Gruden can't stay away from his offensive weapons. And if some of these talented guys fall too far, I think that's who we're jumping on, man. Either we're getting a wide receiver or we're getting a running back. And uh, I'm all for it. The possibilities are endless, guys. The possibilities are freaking endless right now. But, Chris, our guy Malik... We've, we've talked about this a lot already. Our guy Malik uh, 
is kind of a low-key insider, man. He kind of, he kind of gets in there. He, he digs on some players. He meets them face-to-face. He interviews them. And he gets some good breakdowns on some guys. You have some questions for him? I sure do. Uh, I I love the player profiles, Malik. Uh, you know, just a few to, to mention off the top that, that were interesting. Uh, obviously, you had Nick Bosa comped with Joey Bosa. But one that I really liked was Ed Oliver. A lot of people talk about Aaron Donald as a comp. But you put in John Randall, who, I mean, I, I watched a ton of because my dad is a Minnesota Vikings fan. He's from Minnesota. So I really like that comp. I, I watched a lot of him when I was young. He was my dad's favorite player. Thank you. Uh, and then Brian Burns and Jason Taylor. I was like, man, I have not seen that one time. And that's a, such a creative comp. Uh, but one, a couple that I wanted to ask you about you. is uh, mm-hmm. Clellan Farrell. I'll start with Clellan Farrell mm-hmm. and Alden Smith as his comp. Obviously similar size. Mm-hmm. You look at their combine results, pretty similar. Farrell was faster, 20-yard shuttle. Smith, faster in the three-cone, kind of a wash there. Farrell's a guy that mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people had pegged going pretty high in the first round. Top 10, now, yeah. And and he dominated Jonah Williams in that bowl game, and now you look yeah. at where he's at, and it's his draft stock has kind of slipped, but he hasn't played any games. Yeah. Last time we saw him in a meaningful game, he was dominating. So why has Clellan Farrell slipped? Why did you comp him to Alden Smith, and where do you think he's going? That's a that's a trio question for you, man. Oh, okay. He slipped because he hasn't done anything. He didn't do the combine. Well, he didn't really get, he didn't do everything at the combine and he didn't do anything at his pro day. Um, I think that with that being said, you know, sometimes when you're on a team with too much talent, that people often say, well, you were on a team with so much talent. You know, it's like a lot of times when the Alabama, those guys dominate, and then it comes draft time and people are like, well, you know, we had you top 10 a couple months ago and then you actually fall to like 47. Because you got all this talent, you know, Deron Payne, all those guys you can name, they kind of like start off in like the top, you know, top 10 or whatever. And then they kind of like fall down a little bit and, and, and then they have to prove themselves at the next level. But him, I think, you know, people had questions about his athleticism and then he didn't do anything to really combat that by not participating in the drills. You know, so, I mean, I know he had some things he was dealing with, but still, so it's like, you know, what are people going to expect? You know, what do you really expect for people to think? You know, and this is the time of year where it's like, my eyes are telling me one thing, but I'm not really sure, so I need you to do this testing so I can figure out if I was right or wrong. You know, so with that being said, it's like, well, I really don't have anything to go off of. I'm just going off of the tape, you know? So, you know, but then it's like, it's kind of slippery slope. It's like, you know, I can, like, for instance, a guy like uh, um, um, Nazir Adderley, I watched him pull a hamstring at his pro day, and, and he he ran he ran his 40, but you could tell he was hurt. But he finished. He had, like, a 4-6. But it's like, it's like, okay, I'm not really tripping off that because I know that this guy probably runs, like, a 4-4 if he didn't pull his hamstring. But I'm telling you to watch the game tape because you can see his range. But then you got a guy like Deontay Thompson who didn't run his 40 at his combine or pro day. And then he was in a championship. He got burned up. All, all mm-hmm. he saw was the back of his jersey. You know, so it's like, well, what are we to think? You know, we know that he has range. You know you can get sideline and sideline. But 
there's different types of speed. There's college speed and there's NFL speed. So the second part of the question is, you know, to answer summarize the first question, part of the question, he he didn't really prove that he was a phenomenal athlete because he didn't test in what is considered for, I mean, what is needed to show that you're athletic, which is a combine or a pro day. Secondly, I come from to uh, Alden Smith, and this is 49ers Alden Smith we're talking about. We're talking about Alden Smith that was on his way to being like up there with Reggie White in terms of actual first, what, five or six year players. Yeah. Um, this Alden Smith that we're talking about. I'm talking about a guy that is just nasty on the field. Like, his motor is ridiculous. I don't think that Pharrell has every, like I said, he doesn't really have that much end, but he's great with his hands, like Smith. Excuse me. He's great with his hands, like Smith. His motor, he never gives up. And that's what I like about him that I liked about Alden Smith is if you watch 49ers Alden Smith, and, and we're talking about rookie, he's going against pros. We're talking about guys that are outweighing by 40, 50 pounds. He'll get beat twice, and then the third time or the next three, he's figured out what you're doing with your hands or how you kick your feet out or whatever it is, and he's beating you that, that next series. And I, I see that a lot with Cleveland Farrell. If you watch that Alabama game, Jonah Williams was – he's a, a damn good tackle. And I think that early, you know, Cleveland Farrell, you know, in-game and I'm sure on tape, he just noticed the little tendencies. And he just picked apart at it, picked apart at it. And he's just so ferocious. It's like, you know, his hand plays, he just fires off. He got that quick punch. It's like he just he he, he makes up for the lack of athleticism uh with his, you know, with 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 his 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 IQ and his hands. And and in that sense, you know, like you said, the bodies and everything and, and, and some of their times and everything, that was comparable to me, but I just think that I'm looking at. I think he has. I love the potential of Clean Furl. I'm a. I'm a big fan of Clean Furl, and I have been. I thought he was going to come out last year, but I thought that him proving in this championship, going against what was what is considered the best tackle, only did more. Well, would have only did more to help him if he actually did participate in the damn combine. But yeah. So to answer that, the third question: Where is he going to go? No combine. I'm thinking like. 15 to to the end of the round. And my fear with that is a guy like Bill Belichick is like, oh, this is damn perfect. That's the last thing you want is a guy like Belichick to get a damn Cleveland Farrell. No, we need him. We need him at 24, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, we need need to snag that guy out of there. Like 15 to 32. 15 to 32 is where I'm looking at. Okay, okay. Okay. on, loved your answer on that. And then another one I felt that was really interesting. I mean, all of them were really good. Mm-hmm. But uh, I narrowed it down, so to speak. And it was Andy Isabella with T.Y. Hilton. And I love this comp. Uh, obviously, you look at, they're both burners, right? I mean, was, Isabella ran a, a right. registered 4-3-1-40. Hilton ran a 4-3-4 back by his combine. Uh, you know, and then you look at the type of career, obviously, that T.Y. Hilton had. You'd think that that's kind of Andy Isabella's ceiling. Um, talk a little bit about uh, Andy Isabella, why you comped him with Hilton. And do you think that if people are, you know, GMs are seeing what you're seeing, do you think there's a chance that he slips into the first round with that 40 time and that kind of at least comp to T.Y. Hilton? Um. Okay, so first off, I want to say this. 
I comp Andy Isabella to T.Y. Hilton, and you'd agree with it, and we've never talked about this, because I want to say this, that I think that a lot of people, when you get into this, and I think that when you do the comps, and you got to make it relatable, but with that being said, I feel like you don't have to... You don't have to comp Andy Isabella to Wes Welker or anybody like that just because he's a white guy. Like, <laughs> look at the damn tape. You know, there yeah. are intangibles and things that when you right. watch a person, like, there's black players that are you can comp to white players, et cetera, whatever. But look at the tape and really, you know, digest what you're seeing. And when I looked at Andy Isabella for the first time, I said, well, damn, this guy is obviously a, a blazer. But his route running and everything, I just said that's T.Y. Hilton, and 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 I think that Andy Isabel is going to put on ten pounds and he'll be fine. I think he'll be perfectly fine, and he's going to be solid. He's a damn good route runner, like Hilton. He, you know, he, he has small hands, but he's made it work thus far. Um, and and you know, like I said, he'll get he'll get stronger. The hands, he has to work on that. But when he does get the ball, it's dangerous. And that straight line speed is is crazy. Now, the thing that the reason why I don't think the combine matters that much is because he's always been this fast. And yeah. um, you know, I would have been surprised. I would have been surprised if he ran something like a four four. You know, because they had that whole panic about when they had the clock wrong. If that would have been his time, I would have been like, oh shit. <laughs> maybe I, my eyes lied to me. You know, maybe he is a third or fourth rounder, but I, once they fixed the clock, I was like, I, I've been talking this guy up. I knew I was right. <laughs> but yeah, so Isabella, he, you know, I think that he's going to be fine. I think like, you know, realistically, I'm looking at like, like 29 to, because my thing with him is that, what is going to, if you, if you, you know, I know the injury to, um, Hollywood, but he's already out of the boot and he's and I'm looking good, so, yeah. Yeah, so with that being said, if he was healthy, would you take Isabella over Brown? That's my that's mm-hmm. my um that's my my viewpoint right now. I don't think that there's a, I'm not even 100% sure that Isabella would be taken over Brown and he's not healthy. You know, it's just a matter of Brown being the player that he is at a higher level of competition. So, um, you know, he's more in the spotlight and he's Antonio Brown's cousin. And I think that that was a part of the clause for Antonio Brown to come to the Raiders was to get his cousin. I really believe that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, but to answer your, but to answer your question, I think that I'm, I, I don't think he makes it, I don't think he makes a pass like 40 something. And, and, and then a reason for that is he's an uh, Ohio kid. I think that if, if Gruden wants him, he better get him. So I think that he's an Ohio kid, and that's the one thing that the the Browns need is a, a slot, you know, slot receiver. You know, imagine the Browns with Odell and Landry and 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 Isabella. I know uh, Landry ridiculous, slot, but like having that versatility of him being able to go back outside, you know, the guy with the best hands, period, in the NFL, four hundred plus catches in in four years, only person to ever do that in their first four years. Landry and Odell and Isabella, and they can put him as kick returner, punt returner, slot, gadget, run. A, I mean, end of rounds, whatever they want. Oh man, that's ridiculous! And then you got two great running backs. Oh, scary. 
So I, I don't think he makes a pass like 40, pick 40, honestly. I agree with you. Either I'll way, tell you what. I, I just think he's a weapon. I'm uh I'm here for the, the Hollywood Brown hype train, though, man. That's been my been my dude all offseason. I'm happy to hear that he's healthy and looking good, that his medicals are checking out even better already than what people expected. And uh, Isabella, man, that's some good stuff. I like uh, how he's been working with Randy Moss to make sure he comes into the NFL. He's one of those, I think, wide receivers that can come in and just light it up. Uh, be a guy that nobody really expects mm-hmm. is what kind of what kind of tape do you have on Andy Isabella in the slot you don't know what you're going to get get him trained get him zippy in there throw him in a good offense I could utilize it and uh, Andy Isabella man could I think light up the NFL no doubt year one and uh, yeah I, I don't see him slipping past 40 either it just depends on on how trickling down this wide receiver class goes just like you said I don't think I'd take him over Hollywood Brown either maybe even a couple other wide receivers you know we're looking for we're in an NFL where teams are looking for wide receiver ones. Andy Isabella isn't that guy unless a team semi-reaches for that final piece to their offense, which John Gruden might pull that trigger, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, let's let's be honest here. When we look at the first round, I would be shocked if John Gruden doesn't take either a wide receiver or a tight end, some sort of weapon. Like, I just don't see him not doing it. Like... It, just knowing his personality and, and obviously he's probably dead fed up, obviously, of the lacking in wide receiver talent last year, especially after they traded Cooper. And he's certainly made sure that that's not going to be the case again. And I could see him doubling down and, and definitely adding a wide receiver late first round. That, that would not surprise me one bit. Yeah, taking a piece from old uh, Roger Carr. Uh, the, the one time I got to talk to him at Derek Carr's event, the one thing he told me, he said, man, he says, after the games, we'd sit there and we, we'd take a beating. We'd take a beating. It'd be a bad game. He says, and John would come up to me and my wife. He'd shake my hand. He'd say, don't worry, Roger. Help is coming. Help is coming. We'll get Derek some help. He said he'd, every time that they went through a bad game, he'd sit there, they'd sit through it, and he'd come up and he'd reassure it. And guess what, man? He's already lit it up, and uh, he's not done yet. I don't think he's done yet. But. Uh, talking out of the exciting picks, Malik, a little bit more in your wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start talking day three. Let's look at day three. And first I want to ask you, uh, before we get into the actual picks themselves, uh, you had, you were busy. You, like I said, you're a busy man and you had a lot of business trips going on. Uh, you went to a few pro days talking about those pro days. Is there anything specific, a mm-hmm. specific player that stood out to you? Because for me, I'm a big guy that, you know, you can turn the film on all you want and watch a kid in college, but there's intangibles that just can, you know, that's what takes those fourth, fifth, sixth round, seventh round players, those undrafted players. That's what, you know, they get in the NFL mm-hmm. and they flip a switch because they, they got that thing about them. Uh, was there a player uh, mm-hmm. that maybe you interviewed or you talked to or you just saw the way they carried themselves at their pro day in person that you really liked or something that stood out to you? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, wow. It's a few. Now, you know, with that being said, let me just say that with the pro days, it's like, you know, everybody's there to watch whether they say it or not, you know, especially with the scouts, especially now that I had the actual, uh, had the opportunity to actually talk to some scouts. They all have one or two guys that they're watching. Everybody else is just like a, a plus. And some <laughs> of those guys, they come there to watch one guy and they'll just fill their, their sheet out with everybody just because, you know, it's part of the job. They don't, care but at the end of the day that's i think that they should um because it's like you know if you're looking at that guy this scout over here is probably looking at that guy too you know they you know they probably know about him too 
you know? So with that being said, there's always room to find a gym. And like you said, it's the little things, like, you know, it's the little things that you can do, you know, to show, uh, you know, you know, just show me that you want me to, you know, maybe I need to go back and watch your tape. You know, yeah. I might've never heard of this guy, or maybe I watched your school because I'm watching somebody on offense. And then I see you on, and I'm like, well, maybe I need to watch the defense to see this guy, you know? So, um, there was, there was a few, um, oh man, one would, one would have to be, oh man, what was the name of this guy? Oh, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. The linebacker from, um, there's a linebacker from Delaware. I can't think of his name. I remember so many names. There's a linebacker from Delaware. All right, let me go somewhere. It was Maryland. I would have to go Maryland. You know, everybody's there to watch Savage. And it was a guy that we interviewed on the on on Black Tuesday podcast named Trey Watson, a linebacker from Maryland. And Trey Watson is a damn good football player. But the way that he conducted himself in his interviews and cheering his team on, everybody cheers their teammates on. But you know, you know, he was, you know, he was doing things that weren't, you know, for the camera, just the little things, and you know, carrying water for his teammates when he once he was finished his drills and everything, and did his interview and everything, and you know, and and he was actually, you know, one thing that he did when they when you go to these pro days there's always a group of players there from smaller colleges that are, you know, have been invited to uh, come and, sh- uh, you know, show their skills for the NFL team. Uh-huh. You know, these guys, a lot of times the scouts might, might leave before they even get the workout. If the team, se- if the school separates their guys from the other guys, some schools do that. With that being said, I saw Trey Watson. It was, a, it was a small group of players there from another Maryland, from some smaller Maryland school. And he's there, you know, he, you know, he just did his interview. He's got 10 cameras in his face. And this guy, he's doing his stuff, uh, you know, going through his workouts. He's obviously nervous, small school guy. You know, he's never seen this many teams before. He's thinking about his whole life flashing ahead of him in his future. He's nervous and he's messing up. Trey Watson goes over there and talks to him. You know what I'm saying? And whatever he says to this guy, he has him smiling. You know, I had to unfortunately <laughs> I don't know how he finished. But, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, yeah, Trey Watson is 99, I'm 99% sure he's going to get drafted. This guy, who knows if he'll get drafted or he'll be trying to get on an arena team or, you know, the XFL next year or something like that. But whatever he said to this guy brightened up his day because this guy looked like, you know, a deer caught in headlights. He was scared. I mean, yeah. I mean, most of us never will have that feeling of, you know, everything in your life, you know, your career and all your dreams being put on the line in that very moment. And people aren't really even checking for you. They, they weren't even there for you, you know? So whatever he said, you know, that made me say, damn, this guy has leadership qualities. And when I'm looking at a linebacker, a linebacker to me has to have leadership qualities. Oh, yeah. You are the quarterback of the team, you know? So that that to me said, well, damn, I really like Trey Watson anyway. But maybe that that just, that, that just moved him up in my eyes. You know, if I saw that, somebody else saw that. Some team says, well, hey, this guy has the skills, he has the intangibles, and he has the leadership qualities to, if we draft him in the sixth round, he might can beat out somebody that we got in the third round or, or, or our fourth round pick from last year or whatever the case may be. He will, he, he's the guy that we know can make the 53 and eventually 
he'll be one of those stories that we'll be talking about on ESPN with a six-round pick like Antonio Brown. And, and, and now he's a star. Now he's a pro bowler, et cetera. So I'm always looking for the little things, the little people, uh, you know, the people that, that aren't at the top of the, you know, guy for the pro day. You know, those are the people that have the most at stake. Some of those guys, it's like, you know, they know that the people are there for them, and they take it for granted. And I, and I think you shouldn't take it for granted until you sign those checks. But, that you know, I'm not in that position. But, yeah, to answer your question, that was the guy. That was like, you know, I was already kind of high on him. But, you know, just that he didn't have to do that. Like I said, they he did his workout. He changed his clothes. He did his interview. And he could have just walked out the door. And he's, you know, talking to this guy, you know, small school, small school guy. And it's like, you know, just relax. So whatever he said, the guy was smiling and he went and ran back on the field and did the rest of his workout. That's what's up. That's that's cool, man. And and the guy you were talking about from Delaware, is that uh, Troy Reader? Is that who you're talking about? Yes, yes. Okay. Damn, I couldn't okay. think of his damn name. <laughs> no, I've watched way yeah. too much Adderley, Adderley snaps to not pick up a little bit on Delaware's defense. So <laughs> Yeah, he was he was all he was all over the place at his at his pro day. He was all over the place. And you know, when I watched Delaware, honestly, I was you know, last year I was watching Bilal Nichols, who's on the Bears now. And this year I was mainly focusing on um on Nazir Adderley. And there'll be times when you watch a guy and then somebody else just jumps off the tape. But I was just so focused on Adderley. And when I got to the pro day, I'm like, who the hell is this guy? You know, I'm on Google on my phone, and you know, I'm looking at. I, I got one earphone in. I'm watching. I'm watching cutups of this kid. You know, you're <laughs> watching cutups of Troy. And now I'm like, oh damn, I didn't even pay him any attention. So that's the beauty of pro day. You know, if I did that, then somebody else, you know, who has their job on the line, you know, and going and going from school to school, they notice it too. And that's all it takes is somebody to go back to their team and say, well, hey we got to watch this other kid, you know, this inside linebacker that they got. You know, maybe we can get him undrafted. Maybe we can get him late. You know, and that and that changed, that's somebody's life. It changed right there. Yeah, it shows a lot about character, man. you got to look for that stuff. It's no surprise, it's no secret to some of these players going into pro days, going into combines, going into anything. They should know, man. You just got one day to that, you know, go that extra mile. You know, what what team wants to draft a player right. that doesn't want to go that extra mile for one day, but expect them to do it, you know, half the year for a football team? So it's one of those things. It ain't no secret, man. So whenever a player does it, they're aware of it, and it just shows that they care, man. They they care about their draft stock, and you know, they care to care to prove their character. So uh, I like this stuff. But Chris, you looking at day three draft prospects. Who's your guy? I would say a guy, but I feel like you're going to tell me again that you uh, can't narrow it down to one. <laughs> so what? <laughs> uh, I'll narrow it down to one for you. I'm not going to go uh, as much like fringe uh, round seven undrafted type. Obviously, I didn't go to all the pro days that Malik did. Uh, props to him. Um, I'm going to go with a guy that was at uh, the Raiders pro day, uh, Washington linebacker Ben Burkirvin. I feel like he's a disciplined, smart, mm aggressive linebacker and you look at date there's a reason why he's going day three right he doesn't have the explosive athleticism that the devin white and devin bushes and mac you know mac wilson's have but i feel like he's a guy who lays it all on the line very intelligent player and i feel like day three is the time to take uh, a low risk you know flyer on this guy who has everything you want, other, but maybe just doesn't have quite, has a little bit of those physical limitations. Day three pick warrants a chance for him to try to overcome that, make a roster, and make an impact. So I'm going to go with uh, Burke Kerbin. 
There we go. There we go. How about a? Uh, I'm gonna pluck a guy out that I like how you brought up uh, the the local pro day that we had for the Raiders. How about a guy that we also had in for a private workout just a few days before that? Simba Webster, another guy. Maybe maybe we're striking out. I'm gonna keep going at. You know, excuse me for reaching for wide receivers because uh, I guess I'm on the. You can call me I, right now. It's the is the John Gruden uh, podcast. We're gonna keep talking about offensive <laughs> weapons. So, but you know, Simba Webster, man. If, if for some reason we we don't land that guy, like I said, I want to see us get that third piece. I want I want a slot receiver, man. Uh, so for you know, a little five ten, hundred eighty pound zippy wide receiver to come in day three, I'm all for it, man. Let's do it. Pull it. You want to just keep going with wide receivers day three. What about like a Greg Dorch, man? Hey, Dorch? My boy Keyshawn? Maybe we don't, maybe we uh, bring in a a third wide receiver that isn't small and zippy, but uh, big body, athletic, handsy Keyshawn Johnson, man, from right down the street. I'm all for it, dude. Like I said, we could have a, we could have a wide receiver draft prospect, uh, thing going on right now because i feel like that's that's all that's all that's been on my mind i feel like at this point well, that's that's actually what we have going on right now okay? <laughs> it's all it's all wide receivers at this point man but uh for you uh malik i want to let you wrap this thing up are there any other prospects out there that you haven't had a chance to talk about yet right now mm-hmm. um that you're looking at or want us to know something about Whew. uh Narrow it down between your 200 and whatever, however many you got in your head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, just a side note, I like some Webster too. I hate their field, so I try not to watch them, but unless they're playing away games, I yeah, hate that field. Like, it it is ugly as heck, man. But I do like them. Let me see, let me see, let me see. Quick. Okay, let me do, I'm going to do one offense, one defense. Offense, I've tweeted about them a few times. I haven't dropped this draft profile yet. Ohio slot receiver Poppy White. Poppy is the name he goes by. Ooh. Poppy White had a, a an amazing pro day for Ohio. I first discovered him because I was watching uh Buffalo, you know, um Khalil Hodges, Tyree Jackson, et cetera. And yeah. I'm like, who the hell is this Poppy White guy? I mean, he destroyed mm-hmm. uh Buffalo's defense. He's 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 amazing slot receiver. He he had a forty inch vert, he's five nine, he had a forty inch vert. You got to when you go back and watch the first game you should watch, you know, is 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 Ohio versus Buffalo. Second game you should watch is Ohio versus UMass. Andy Isabella's killing Ohio's defense and he's killing UMass's offense. I mean defense. And um and and he's he's he got a 40 inch bird. I think he ran like a four. He ran like a four three nine or four four one something like that. Ooh. Good hands, everything. I, I mean, he had like a one, maybe like 120, I want to say like 4, 125 inch broad jump, but he's 5'9. He's really good. I mean, and this is a guy that on day three, round six, round seven, maybe undrafted. This is a guy, if he's undrafted, if he, does, if he doesn't get drafted, I don't care who the Raiders pick. They need to pick the damn phone up as soon as the draft <laughs> ends and find him. I'm telling you, I'm 100% confident. 100% come back to this episode. If he doesn't get drafted, he will make an NFL roster. He will get, he will make wow. a 53. And we're going to be talking about this guy as a, you know, a solid uh, slot uh, receiver 
for the next few years to come. I'm 100% sure. I love his game, 100%. Defense, somebody I never talked about that I've been trying to keep kind of low-key is, uh, let's see. I would have to say, hmm, damn, that's a really good one. I would probably go cornerback, and I would have to say, well, I think, I don't know, have I talked about him? I don't think I have. I don't think I have. I'm not sure I have. But I would have to say Derek Beatty from Kentucky or Blaze Brown. Derek, all right, there's three of them. Derek Beatty, Blaze Brown, or, or Hamp Cheevers. Hamp Cheevers went to Boston College. Mm, Blaze like Brown yeah, yeah, uh, went yeah. to Troy. She went to Troy, and Derek Beatty went to Kentucky. Derek Beatty, if Reggie McKenzie was still around, he would have took taken – Derek Bay, six two, he's like one six two one ninety. Sean Smith size, but a a a, a little bit faster. Um, I like Cheever. If I had to narrow it down, and I had to like say somebody that's like way off the radar, it would have to be Brown, Blaze Brown. He had a bad forty times of terms of his speed, but I, I the game tape doesn't lie. Like he's a ball hawk. Man, and he and he has the skills to play zone. He's he's going to be fine. He's he's going to get drafted late, and he'll he'll make a team. He'll be fine. I think he'll go somewhere like the Redskins or something like that. And you know they they have like twenty seven cornerbacks, but he'll figure out a way to get on the field. I, I like him a lot. So Poppy White on offense, Ohio wide receiver, slot receiver, forty inch Burt, five nine, and Blaze Brown from Troy cornerback. Boom, book it. Those would be my two sleepers. There we go. I'm gonna now. I'm gonna. I got those guys uh, written down now. I'm gonna be watching them for sure. Day three guys. I don't dig into a whole lot unless they caught my eye for some reason. I'm watching some college games and I just kind of remember them. I'm like, okay, you guys are sleeping on these players. I remember watching them. So those are those are the few. But I'm gonna add them in my my short list of day three prospects. Um, but besides that, Malik, I think that's just about uh, everything that we needed to cover here. We're like you said. 10, 11 days away from the draft now, rolling up on it. It's coming quick. I'm definitely excited, and I'm glad that we're able to cover some of these what-ifs. Uh, we're able to fill the gaps of where, you know, <laughs> it's lying season and it's mock draft season. So I've probably seen 100 different scenarios of the same exact picks over and over again. So I'm glad to kind of fill in the blanks with some different people. Uh, so it's one of those things, man. Uh, thanks for coming in. Thanks for putting the time. You were the perfect guy because you put in the work – uh, it's not, I mean, you said you're a Raider fan, you know, you're a diehard Raider fan. Uh, but sometimes I think you put in enough work to, uh, have that full 32 team league value for sure. Thanks. So, uh, good stuff, Malik. We appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you guys having me on. Like I said, I keep saying that because it's like, you know, at the end of the day, there's a lot of podcasts and there's a lot of people and there's a lot of people doing analyzing. And I think that you know, I have to like you got to show appreciation for people saying, "Hey, we respect what you're saying and your research." So, like I said, it is an honor to come on the show, and I appreciate that, and I and I appreciate the work that you guys are doing. So, it it was it was definitely something I wanted to do, and I give everything that I do a hundred percent. So, I wanted to make um, this podcast special and try to give the best insight that I possibly could give from my point of view. So, I think that we have a lot to look forward to. And I think that, you know, Bobby's next little bit less than two weeks will be a little nerve-wracking, especially with all the stories that have come out and all the hypotheticals. I think a lot of us just want to get it over with. 
And uh, I'm just going to, I'm really happy that I'll be there to see this go down, you know, however it goes. And I know we both, we all know that no matter what, some Raider fans are going to be pissed. It doesn't matter who you get. Somebody <laughs> can get, you know. Yeah. be like, well, damn, uh, I, you know, you got, you know, you got, I wanted Jesus, you know. I wanted Jesus to play linebacker, like. He's still on it the board. Why can't you draft him? Uh, <laughs> hi, man. Yeah, he's got a lead band. How do we pass on Jesus on that one? But, uh, yeah, Malik, thank you so much, man, for coming on. Uh, you sure lived up to all, all that I said uh, that you'd be and more, man. And I hope you have a great night. And uh, looking forward to the draft as you and talking with you on Twitter, man. Thank you. And uh, I, I, and I definitely will be back. Uh, yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, figure this, you know, figure this out a little bit more in terms of the roster i'll definitely gladly be back yeah that's that's what's up man yeah so anyone listening right now be sure right before the season starts maybe somewhere around preseason malik obi will be making his second appearance and we love returning guests man we love returning guests so i'm looking forward to it malik you have a good night and uh good luck in nashville man represent for us huh definitely good uh thank you guys for having me on and we're gonna promote this episode Thank you. Thank you, all listeners. And follow me on Twitter at O-B-E-E, the, the number one, N-E-O-B-1. And thank you again, guys. Yeah. Good night. There you go. See you later, Malik. Boom. That was a big interview, Chris. That was, uh, I think, one of our longest ones yet. That was uh, Malik came in here. He had some firepower. He was loaded up, and, and he dropped the info on us, man. I appreciated it. Yeah, man. He's got the, the quality and the quantity. You know, he did his homework. He had a lot to say, and, and it was great to hear all of it, man. We got Kenny the King. He took a week off. This is the second time that he's taken a week off. The last time he came in hot, he was fuming. I think it's good to... You know, lock him he up. He always his- comes in hot, man. Come on, now you're gonna get on the list. You yeah. say he doesn't come in hot every time. Apparently, Kenny, I'm already on that the was list. All Cody. Apparently, I'm already on the list. So you know what? While I'm here, I might as well make it worth my while. So, Kenny the King, we're gonna bring you on, man. Let's give the King a call. What's going on, fellas? How y'all doing tonight? What up, Kenny? It's been a couple weeks, Kenny. What's going on, dude? Man, it's been a couple weeks. Been doing and brewing. Been watching all this stuff on TV, and I got something to say, y'all. Oh, why don't you get saying it, Kenny? I ain't gonna hold you back. What's going on? All right. First and foremost, did AB steal Juju's bike? Why is he so salty? <laughs> you think you did something? Uh, you did something. To I mean, him. I mean, look. Everybody wants to. Everybody wants to put point AB out to be the bad guy and say that he did something wrong. Do they not remember that when A.B. got traded, the day he got traded, Juju Smith-Schuster posted a photo of him catching a touchdown in the end zone at the Coliseum with A.B. in the background talking about, I'm ready. Ready for what? Yep. Because yep. after the game, he was laying face first on the ground. So what you ready for, dog? Yeah. He gave it his best shot, didn't he? In a game that they lost. He gave it his best shot in a game they lost. And then, then he wants to go the next couple of days and post something about Ben Roethlisberger talking about he's mm-hmm. a great leader, he's my coach. All I thought of when I saw that was Steve and Calvin Candy on Django Unchained. That's so true, dude. That's so true. I, that dude, and, he, and he, all he's doing is just kissing his ass at that point because even AB said it. Until somebody gets paid, you can't take anything that they say serious. They're just trying to get that money, man. 
exactly. He's on a rookie deal. He's still trying to get paid. Guarantee you when he when it comes time to get paid, he probably won't be around there unless they offer him some handsome money. And we know that they're not going to because look what they did to Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. And then speaking of that, look at Marquise Pouncey and Ramon Foster coming around talking about, oh, if you got something to say, then address us and, and come to the locker room. And I know you guys talked about it on the Periscope last night, but come on, man. If you got issues, weren't you the same one that was on TV talking about Le'Veon holding out and how it was looking, looking mm-hmm. bad for the team? Weren't y'all the ones going through the locker room, going through all this stuff, taking his shoes, taking his cleats? Come on, man. Yeah, let me tell you something, Kenny. I think I think I got this figured out. You know why Juju's salty? What's he what's he got? One more year and then he's probably gonna get paid? One more right. season? Maybe two, depending on uh on how he does. Juju's mad because he doesn't have Antonio Brown on the other side to bail him out now. Who's gonna get exactly. the double teams? Who's gonna get all the attention? Juju Dante is about Exactly. Yeah, dude, he is about to get exposed going into a contract year, and that payday might go down a little bit. Sorry, Juju, you don't have AB there to make it look good no more, man. Bro, dude, can we just talk about you, uh, Ryan Clark? Like, didn't dude. he say that AB isn't a good human? Yeah. Like, let's let's talk about this for a second. Like, of what Big Ben has been accused of. Okay, and. From my estimation, being petty on social media doesn't isn't equivalent to not being a good human, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. But like, and yet nothing about Big Ben being a bad human. Like, I don't understand mm-hmm. that. Kenny, like, talk to me about Ryan Clark and that snake on ESPN. Yeah, I mean, apparently, uh, you know, raping girls or or I'm sorry, accused being accused of raping girls because it was been multiple times not just a girl but but yeah. girls you know one college student one casino worker apparently that's that's okay uh apparently riding a motorcycle at 100 miles an hour with no helmet after you get a big contract and getting in an accident that's okay that shows great character but then you go on social media and you call somebody out for addressing you and taking a beta role at it at, at that and you call him out as a man then apparently you're not a you're not a good person. So you know what, you know obviously obviously the Steelers brass is still still deep up in uh, Ryan Clark's uh, we'll say pockets, but there's something going on. And then the fact that Rashard Mendenhall comes out and says what he says about about AB and Ben and says Ben's racist and that you know the the AB is a good dude. And then shortly after walks his comments back. Something just doesn't seem mm-hmm. right about that. You know, something something tells me that he may have gotten a knock on the door, or a phone call saying, hey, man, you know, uh, this is something that we want to keep in house. And there's something that, you know, we don't really want to get out. And so uh, you're putting negative light on us because it just it, you don't you don't throw out the racist card for for no reason. Yeah. You, don't throw, you don't throw that card out unless you have substan- unless you have substantial evidence. Um, and so I'm guessing the guys in the locker room have substantial evidence as to why they believe this. And so. You know, I'm going to take him for his word. If he said if he says he's racist, I don't know if he's a racist. I don't know if he's walking around with 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 sheets and a hood on, but I guarantee you, he's probably said some things that have been unfavorable in from time to time. Yeah, no, I, I don't blame you at all, man. That's a it's not just Antonio Brown. Sorry uh, that they that he gave him a little bit of ammo going off no, on social I'm, media, but Le'Veon Bell said the same thing. Jesse, Jesse James, James is happy to be gone. Yep. Yeah, this yeah. ain't the first. This ain't the first. Ain't the ain't the last either. So it is what it is, man. You know, it'll be very interesting to see how things play out this season. I think that, uh, you know, obviously Antonio Brown has a lot to prove and he's got a chip on his shoulder. And, you know, um, and I don't say he has a lot to prove as 
you know, he's proven what he can do on the field, but I think he has a lot to prove as as a player and as a person. Um, just to not to us, not to Raider fans, but to the media. Um, you know, I, I think that if he wants to shut the media up, he he can go out there and play. But at the same time, him talking doesn't bother me. So, you know, yeah. if he wants to go out and talk, he can talk. Because at the end of the day, what he's doing isn't affecting our football team. He's not saying anything about Derek Carr. He's not saying anything about our about our offensive line. He's not saying anything about John Gruden. He's not saying, you know, we need a pass rusher. He's not saying any of that. He's going out and speaking about the team that he was at for the past, what, six, seven years. And he wants to he wants to speak on that with a guy that he's played with and a guy that has publicly called him yeah. and multiple players out. Yeah, no, I mean I mean I, I've heard some some even some weird stuff about it. Uh of course the, the most controversial thing of him leaving Pittsburgh was how he everyone thinks that he set out that last game, right? That maybe he could have played. But uh I mean I've heard rumors. I've heard rumors that he walked out there on the practice field and uh was was telling the coaches that he's good to go. He's ready to go. He goes out on the practice field he ran the wrong route. Big Ben says, get him out of here. So he said, I'm out then. Done. That was it. That was uh, for those that keep up with Fallon Smith's podcast. That was James yep. Jones dishing that. So it uh, could be a real thing, man. could be a real thing. So, Right. And that's the thing is James James has relationships with all these guys, right? He's not going to go out there and, and, and make up a story. Uh, as to why somebody did something or what you know what happened if he doesn't know it there's he's got too much to lose he's got relationships at stake um you know but at the same time you know mike mike chirpin tomlin wants to you know wants to make ben the guy and i think it came down to a to a situation where it was either a b or ben and they chose to ride with ben so you know so be it we won uh we got you know we got a b for a third and a fifth uh and you know some of these people on my list they got an issue with it so who else he got, man? Turn the page. Who we got going? Uh, I got a. Uh, I got Mike Lombardi, and I think just because he's named after a trophy, he can he can speak on he can speak on all matters. So <laughs> Mike Lombardi said after AB's social media social media tweets and comments uh, that in you know I'm, I'm obviously reading the sarcasm font here, but it's exciting. It's going to be exciting to have him influencing the locker room. Huh. They, we remember the press conference where Gruden and Mayock came out with with AB and you know basically said he's an alpha and he's he's somebody who's going to be there to influence the locker room. So basically, Mike Lombardi's trying to take those words and now play those words against them, thinking that AB is going to be a cancer. Because why? Because he goes out and calls somebody out on social media. Bull you crap. know, bro, Mike Lombardi, man. I mean, there's just it's a it's just part of a long list of things that he said. Uh, oh, yeah. you, know, you know about the the Raider organization in the last you know since basically Gruden's been hired mm-hmm. that I haven't liked. So this is just adds on to that. I mean, I, I I pay no mind, and no one really else should either. I don't care that he has experience in the front office of an NFL team. He doesn't anymore, and I think there's a reason for that. I'll leave it at that. You know what I think? I think he can take his cell phone, shine it up real nice, and stick it up his booty boot handy ass. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, Mike Lombardi. No matter what happens, Mike Lombardi is always going to be on the list. Kenny, who's next, oh, man? Clay Travis is on the list along with his uh, his little sidekick and partner, Britt McHenry. <laughs> his little butt buddy. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man. Clayto, uh, Clayto Travis um, <laughs> said. How does AB think this looks good for him? Yeah, I'm sure that he's really concerned about it, about it looking good for him. I think right now what what he's thinking about is 
you know, what is what is this really, you know, why is somebody ca- trying to call him out? Why are they still talking about it? He's trying to move on from the from the Pittsburgh thing, and people are still putting his name out there. Yeah. So I think that what he's trying to do is trying to put everything to bed, move forward. You see him out there working every single day. So, I mean, it's oh, not yeah. like, you know, it's not like he's like, oh, shit, I'm dwelling, I'm dwelling on this Pittsburgh thing because, you know, I wish that I was back there and I wish that things were different. No, I think what happened is, you know, it was a bad marriage and he got out of it. And, you know, there's people that are taking shots and he decided, you know what, I'm not going to sit here and have people keep taking shots. I'm going to, I'm going to take shots back. Yeah. But right. then, but then Brit Brad over here talking about, thank God he made money off of football. What? Because he's not smart? Give me a break. Like, what are you, what are you implying? Give me a break. What are you, what are you implying, Brit? Well, thank God you're pretty because you wouldn't be on TV if you weren't. I mean, shit. Yeah. Yeah, that that don't set yeah, that right. Was a, that was definitely a low blow. That was a cheap yeah. shot. Yeah, people yeah. just have no like, like proper perception and context in this, dude. It's not that AB's sitting there all day like they say and just like right. all worried and mad about the steal. Like honestly, like first of all, he's probably just a troll, right? He probably enjoys getting them all up <laughs> in their course. feelings, okay? Yeah. And. And I got news for everybody. AB doesn't care what you think. Like that's like, like even what he said in his in his law in his uh, interview before the Raiders traded for him. He's like, if you, if you don't believe me, perfect. Don't call me. Like it's okay. Yeah. Like I mean, right. he does not care what you think about what he says on social media. What what he does care about is working his tail off every single day, dedicating his body and his mind to football and being the best receiver in the league. And you look at his body, and he's not built like Calvin Johnson, right? He wasn't a first-round pick. The dude has worked for everything that he's gotten, and he's the highest-paid receiver in the NFL because he works harder than everybody. And that type of elite player that does it that way, you know, it's one thing to be born, nothing against Calvin Johnson. I love Calvin Johnson. He was born with a body to dominate. Antonio Brown was not, even though you you look at him, he's completely and totally chiseled because he works so hard and takes care of his body. But I respect AB, man. And I think he's going to put on a show this year. And all this stupid social media stuff will just be another thing that ESPN got all worked up about, all up in their feelings about. And last year it was John Gruden, right? This year it's AB. It's just another thing. So when we start winning, we'll see it shut up. Yeah, yeah, they can't. Well, they they can't really talk about John Gruden anymore because you got Grover Ray Smith making ten million dollars a year and <laughs> basically basically made made comments about John Gruden uh, making ten million dollars a year. And now I don't want to hear a damn word out of his mouth. So, Stephen Grover, if you're if you're hearing this, uh, congratulations, son. Uh, I'm very proud of you. You, you, did, you did well getting that contract. You know. Uh, it was blasphemous that you had to say things about our coach, but you know, uh, the audacity that that ESPN would give you that contract. Go, go get yours, man. Get yours. Yeah. Okay. Hey, respect, man, for securing the bag. And look, ESPN clearly has a different uh, outlook. I think NFL Network looks for analysts. I think ESPN looks for entertainers. Yeah, you yeah. got. So that's the bottom well, line. And you know what? Stephen A. Smith is an entertainer, and sometimes entertainers stay create say crazy things. And that's pretty much what he brings to the table. So, yep, I man, agree. If it brings ratings, fine, but don't don't expect us to take his NFL opinion seriously. So. <laughs> I don't take many of his opinions seriously. Yeah. Oh now, man. Now, if you, if you ask if you ask him about you know what he thought about you know Big Bird or 
or Ernie and Bird. You know, then I might I might take that seriously because you know yeah. he lives on Sesame Street, so you know yeah. he's you know he's probably running uh, down the street on near far. You know, like oh man, the best thing too is that uh that gift. Stay off the weed. Like that was probably the best. Uh, Best oh, man. Son of a gun. I loved it. This was a good week. I just sat here all comfortable. I didn't have to say nothing. I just listened to you guys just body like a half dozen guys. I'm sitting over here on the sideline. I'm not saying a word. I'm, I'm just sitting here just putting the nails in the coffin. I'm just like, okay, rest in peace. Yo, but the last person on my list that I really, really, really want to save. Okay. We have Twitter. Jack of the River. Oh, man. The yeah. ex-head coach, Jack Del Rio. What, uh, man, what could be going on? What could be going on with Jack? What's the deal, King? Well, I know you guys have seen Jack looking slim and trim, uh, fresh, fresh off a fly fishing trip and, <laughs> and uh, looking, looking well refreshed and rested, most likely because he's probably not throwing games uh, <laughs> so that he can get fired. <laughs> it's not benching his best receiver in, in the middle of a game because he doesn't know how to how to hire an offensive coordinator that that uh, is worth his salt because he he got rid of Musgrave when we had a top five offense, but but kept Ken Norton Jr. with a with the bottom thirty defense. But yeah, let, let, let's keep going. Uh, oh, Jack Del Rio talking about Antonio Brown is going to be a pain in the ass. This is the same Jack Del Rio that basically got rid of Musgrave because he didn't get along with him and Mike Tyson didn't get along with him and. Mike Tice edged him to uh, edged him to promote Todd Downing because you know because he thought that he was going to get poached by somebody, but then kept Ken Norton Jr. But then brings on brings on John Pagano as basically a guy as a figurehead in that defense and doesn't fire Ken Norton Jr. until he gets on the Damon Bruce show and Damon Bruce tears him a new one. Kid you not, he throws a garbage can and fires Ken Norton Jr. the next day. Oh. But everything went downhill after what? After the Washington game. So, you know, whoever we don't we we're speculation as to what happened on that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play I'm not gonna play speculative sources on this. But you know, it, you could tell that there was definitely uh there was definitely something in the air with Jack Del Rio and uh and, and the team and everybody had seemed to have lost respect for him. So you were a pain in the ass because you wanted to call out your quarterback in, in meetings publicly. You're a pain in the ass because you didn't do what you needed to do to make the team better. You wanted to sit there and, and talk about what everybody else was doing wrong. Yeah. So, you know what, Jack? Kiss my ass. And boom, Chris, this was a huge episode, a long episode. I know we've already had our mega episode, but this sucker, man, was just absolutely jam-packed, loaded with content. The draft is coming up. How'd you feel about it, man? I think it was a great show, man. We had Legato, obviously. Uh, you know, with the, the AB connection, that was fantastic, uh, super informative. And then Malik with all the draft content with, with Raiders coverage and then to cap it off with real talk with the King, man, let him slam down some dudes that deserve it. Uh, it was fun, man. Really, really fun to be a part of dude. Yeah. That was a good group. It was a perfect show. Next week's going to be even better. We got our Raiders beat brother coming on. Ryan Lopes, he's going to stop in. And we're going to talk all things draft again, man. We're going to get after it and go in hard on some of these picks and what we're dealing with. Also, Raider Nation, as we're approaching, I'm a little disappointed in you guys. 
Uh, I ask for phone calls, and the only phone call I get is from a freaking Steelers fan. If I get one more guy on here that says, go Steelers instead of go Raiders, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to cancel this dang podcast if we get another uh, other team fan calling before the Raider fans. So, if you made it this far and you haven't called in, you better call in now. That's 808-650-7220. Drop a question, maybe even... Uh, drop a guy you want to see us pick in the first round or, or anything, man. Anything draft, any topic, anything, drop it for us. We'll chop it up on the next podcast. But besides that, it was a good week. Um, if you're listening for the first time, make sure you check out our website, RaiderCody.com. Find your favorite platform. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you get involved on our Twitter page. Follow us at RaiderCodyPod. Follow me at RaiderCody underscore. Follow Chris at Chris Wysong. And, and follow Kenny at New Kung Fu Kenny. And uh, make this thing happen, man. Get more involved. But until next week, Raider Nation, see ya. Later, Nation.